ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very sad and on one end very drunk episode of the Busted Header podcast. The time is 8.40 Eastern. We are about 20 minutes past um, the sadness, and I am joined by my compatriot. Oh, 20 minutes into the sadness. That's better. And the drunken voice you hear on the other end is Jake, a.k.a. Hal, a.k.a. Hal Burgess. As he finishes his class. <laughs> Not that drunk. T- <laughs> Way more sad than drunk. Way more pissed than drunk. I was going to say, you sound more angry than sad at the moment. <laughs> I'm just so tired of the tanking discourse being just like so objectively wrong. And everyone using fake morals to argue for tanking, uh, tanking reform, and it just burning people over and over again. I'm so tired of it. Uh, Expand on that. So first, first the the fake uh, these wins mean something. Don't go for first uh, people. You're just wrong. You're just objectively wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one win against the Magic in fucking December. Uh, can you remember it? Uh, if you said yes, you are lying your ass off. You can't. Uh, did the... I, I don't know if it was in, in December, right? It was Cade's first I remember game, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. It was like October, I, November. It, it doesn't November, matter. That the region. point is, nobody really remembers any details from that game. They might remember Cade played, right? Got a win. Mm-hmm. That win alone cost us number one, right? I mean... Or did we need two? I can't remember. The point is... We needed we needed one, but we would need I think two because the Magic Link had a tiebreaker against us. Uh, the the point well is that tiebreaker the win over the Magic. No, uh, I think they won three games again, or we beat them three times. Okay, right? yeah. So the, the the point is right. Two losses stand in between us and number one, which would have if the theoretically the same one way, more loss would stand between us and second, <laughs> which would have put us in first. Right? If the lottery goes the same way. No, it would have put us in second because the, the Magic were second horse. and won the lottery. So it would have put oh, us I'm in saying, first. God damn it, you get me all backwards. So if we the, won one more game, then we would be in the Thunder spot and be at number two versus number one with the Magic is what I'm saying. So the, the point is, okay, all these people who claim that these wins mean something, you're just wrong. And, like, I don't know that Detroit's ever going to be back in the same tanking position that they were this year. But, like, you're wrong. Hopefully not. You're just wrong. That one win just changed potentially a decade of Pistons history. You're you're wrong. You've always been wrong. I told you you were wrong at the time. It just came and bit the Pistons in the ass. They got jumped by two different teams. You're wrong. Okay? I mean, it, it just shows why the 76ers strategy back in the day still holds true and holds great. The Imagine Rockets- if the 76ers GMs post-Hinky weren't fucking idiots. <laughs> Well, that's a whole separate story. Because <laughs> everyone but, wants to blame the Sixers right now on the process. And it's like, huh, that's weird. The process was all about, you know, getting the assets that they used to trade for the worst possible fitting team of all time. Because Jerry Colangelo is a moron. Here's the thing the NBA doesn't want you to know. The process worked great. They got Joel Embiid. The process worked so well. they had two they other very the promising players. <laughs> Cancel culture got the process. <laughs> but my thing is, the process isn't dead. Like, Houston still has the third pick, as even though they got jumped two spots. Like, it's not dead. They're still the gonna Thunder gonna... exist. Well, yeah. <laughs> the Magic well, The Thunder are bad exist. at tanking, though, somehow. They are tanking their ass off. Okay, so this was my other point, right? Uh, everyone who ever argued for lottery reform, pretending that lottery reform was going to mean something, you were also wrong. And you were wrong in a way that just, like, hurts everyone. This idea that, like, we need to balance things out to stop tanking. Did you not see the tankathon this year? It was <laughs> horrifying. The end-of-season tanking was terrible. And, you're like, it didn't stop anything. It stopped, People claimed it stopped something last year. Oh, the games at the end of the year were better. We're coming off COVID. Like, do you not understand how weird last season was? Uh, and, by the way, it didn't stop tanking last year didn't stop it for shit the pistons shut jeremy grant down with a magic injury for 25 games or whatever it was didn't stop shit so you're wrong it didn't have the effect you think it had people are still winning like 22 games 
And all you're doing is punishing the teams for tanking. You know what that punishes? Fans. You know who's still getting paid? Players. You know who's still getting paid? GMs. You know who's still getting paid? Coaches. You know who's not getting a benefit out of this? Fans. You're not so, lottery so reform. Do? How do you how do you fix this? Because it's been a problem in the NBA for a while now. Tanking isn't a problem. That's the secret. Tanking's not a problem. <laughs> one way to look at it. <laughs> well, it's it's just not like having this an is, objectively this is one of the bad product. Things the floor, that people say good. is like tanking is a problem. You know why tanking's not a problem? Because to fix tanking, you have to make somebody else not win. You have to take away a sixty-five win team. And distribute those those wins, take it down to a fifty five win team, and make another team win thirty two instead of twenty five. What the fuck does that solve? Yeah. Does that make anybody happier? The the fans who less... only care about national TV games just think that this team is now like their legacy is worse, right? This the the Warriors that win seventy two games win uh, sixty seven instead because there was no tanking. Somebody else wins a few more games. Nothing changes legacy-wise except the Warriors don't have a record, right? <laughs> the, the like the Suns this year win a couple less games because people aren't tanking. Uh, are, are they still the number I mean, one record? Yeah, like nothing changes whatsoever. Here's about my thing. the way the league for works. me. For me personally, I enjoy tanking because it lets me see players that I wouldn't normally see. I get to see some weird ass lineups. That I enjoy and I'm okay with. The argument that people keep saying, at least that I keep seeing, in regards to why tanking is a problem, which it only seems to be a problem in the NBA, despite the same thing happening in the NFL. Like, <laughs> are we not going to... Like, I, I still never understand why it's only a problem in the NBA, but the NFL you can lose and it's just fine. Even though it's like the Jags every single year and the Jets and the Lions. But well, the point okay. you want to see and is we'll, when we'll you start We'll get to the alternative here players, in a second, too. Because, by the way... English soccer, and well, and European soccer in general, shows us what the alternative is. The alternative sucks ass, right? <laughs> if you've ever I mean, seen an English soccer team sell its entire soul to stay unrelegated, to stay in the Premier League, and then go down a year later, because, by the way, you can't fix broken sports teams. They have to be rebuilt. You can't fix broken sports teams in such a short amount of time. It takes a while, if, which is something we learned over If you're over legitimately over. a bottom five, bottom ten team, you don't fix that by signing a free agent. It's not It's not happening. It doesn't happen in any sport. Like, football, you can kind of sometimes do it if you get the perfect quarterback. You know, you can sometimes go from being a terrible team to a decent one. But, like... I will, I will say there are exceptions, but yes, I agree with that what, general what sense. What are it they? Takes... Like... LeBron James is an exception. I mean, you can say if you add, if you get, yeah, LeBron was what I was going to do, essentially, the Heat. When they added LeBron and Chris Bosh, and all of a sudden they went from a lottery team to winning titles almost. Okay. Again, that wasn't one free agent. True. Right? It's not one person, right? It's it's a gig- That was a, a team. But the offseason isn't just one person, though. The offseason is a series of moves. The argument is more you can't fix something in an offseason, which I disagree with. But but you can't, right? Like, first of all, that Heat team wasn't as that bad, right? They had Dwayne Wade. I mean, they had <laughs> they Dwayne, had Dwayne Wade, Wade yes. who'd already come off a title, right? They, they had they fully had actualized super-duper fucking star Dwayne Wade. Uh, but the, the, the bigger point here is, right, lot, what lottery reform does is make everyone worse for no reason. Because the lottery teams might win more games. They might, like, the the scoreline might reflect better on them. They're still the worst teams in the NBA. Someone has to be last. No one is ever going to not be last. Someone has to be last. This idea that, I think like, everyone last... agrees that the, 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 the team that's going to be the worst is going to be the worst. It's a matter of... Like, and not guess just what? benching your entire starting squad. Nobody did that, is. for the record. Nobody benches their entire squad. It has never happened that anyone has ever benched their entire squad. It <laughs> does not happen that anyone... Because if you actually benched your entire starting lineup, players would throw a giant fit. Now, people don't sign good players to prop up terrible teams in lottery seasons, right? 
the Pistons got rid of Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose. Guess what? That team was shit with Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose. Right? They weren't yeah. good. They All the Pistons did was take away fake hope and be honest that something needed to change. If you want fake hope, don't watch sports. You're not in it for the right reason. If, if, if literally, if, if that is what you're here for, you fucked up. <laughs> Lions fans will tell you this. You fucked up <laughs> because fake hope is Speaking not hope. on the poor here. <laughs> fake hope is there to be destroyed and then it will send you further down. There are Lions fans. Fake who hope are is generational a beautiful <laughs> sufferers, right? They have generational trauma from being Lions fans. Stop attacking the other half of this podcast, okay? God damn. I just like, I don't understand what people want. Someone has to lose. Why do we pretend that we don't like that? Because, because they want both teams to be competitive and the best team to win. They don't want one team to just do, say, do people I, not just take the night off. Remember, like last year's Pistons. This year's Pistons sucked ass, and it wasn't even intentional. They just had terrible coaching for a large portion of the season, and it was very obvious. The points where they were intentionally tanking, nobody cared. <laughs> this is this is among my favorite reasons and f- like favorite proofs for why tanking isn't the problem, is that when the Pistons were very obviously tanking and playing bad lineups at the end of games to lose a game, literally nobody paid attention to it. Didn't see anybody on the timeline doing that. When they were playing the lineup they were supposed to play and getting the shit kicked out of them because that lineup was bad, then everyone got mad, right? It wasn't, oh, they're sitting Jeremy Grant. That's a problem. It's, wow, Jeremy Grant sucks. That's a problem. That, that was the storyline all year. Just, just a reminder that like nobody has any idea what they're actually complaining about. People don't I, like bad teams. They're not going to watch bad teams. Whether it's a 0-16 Lions team or a 3-12 Lions team or whatever the fuck the math is. I think I just fucked the math up. Uh, it doesn't but matter. They, <laughs> it, do, they want it, their it literally doesn't to matter. Be, to try their hardest in every game. That's what people want. The G-Leaguers try hard, too. Again, it doesn't matter. What people want cannot happen because they want greatness and they want competitiveness. They don't exist in the same space. They never have in any sport. There's no point in trying to pursue it. The, The solution to what people are asking for is to distribute the sadness around the league on a regular basis by making sure that the bad teams have... Like reliable avenues to become good on a regular basis. That's what the draft is for. This idea that oh the the seventh pick in the draft needs to be, you know, needs to have great odds to get the first because we can't have the the worst team get the best pick. Why? Why are you making I mean the, the worst teams fans that I agree with. suffer for another year because the seventeenth seventh teams fans deserve it? Did they, did they they got more wins? Isn't that, you're saying that they got more of what they wanted? Why do they deserve more rewards? I, I don't I don't understand this. The entire logical idea of tanking reform is broken. The entire point of a league system of balancing a league is to create balance by giving bad teams a chance to improve to like a to a balanced level quickly, right? To a median quickly, and by making sure that good teams can't be good forever, right? That's why we shorten yeah. contract lengths and everything is to make sure that dynasties, you have to work extra hard to keep them together. So, like, everyone I mean, understands this. They're just not willing to admit that some somebody has to lose. Somebody has to lose. And you can't say that somebody isn't going to lose. You can't pretend that we're going to make things more competitive. That's just not how sports work. The only thing you can do is make sure that that losing isn't Timberwolves Pistons level of losing for decades on end and is just, you know, Sixers level of losing for like four years. And suddenly they're they're They have an MVP less than a decade later. Like the, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal of any sports league. So I don't would understand you rather why you would be... aim for anything else. What, how do you feel about the wheel? I remember that was a popular thing that came up Dumb. about five years ago. Dumb. Yeah. Imagine that, if the imagine if the seventy two win warriors got the first pick. Because the <laughs> I wheel. Mean, I agree. What what's the point? Like the the, the lottery I'm just like, curious to see what your so your solution is just loser worst team gets it, boom, we're done, end of story. It works for, like all the way down. Look at the NFL. 
it kind of works, right? Now, the NFL's problem, right? Uh, the NFL has this problem where rosters are so big and football is such a hard sport to scout. Injuries are so common that player uh, performance changes dramatically. All this stuff, right? Team chemistry, team scheme. It's uh, Football is a super high variance sport, okay? So it's actually very hard to get out of football uh, the, the the pits of football much harder than it is uh, in soccer and much harder it is than it is I think even in basketball it's very very hard to figure out how to make a cohesive football team because you need 45 players that work right that's just a, mm-hmm. on a it's a it's a completely different scale than anything else at the same time the one thing that football is spectacular at is giving teams with shit quarterbacks good quarterbacks to immediately become like eight win teams in the next two years. And maybe that doesn't make them title contenders, but football is very good at saying you're going to be horrible for a year, maybe two, and then you're going to be okay. And if you're, if your GM and your, your coach and everything is good, maybe you become the chiefs and you just like skyrocket into the stratosphere. (laughs) And if you're not, you're just the lions and you go from, you go from having a zero and 16 season to getting Matthew Stafford and Megatron and getting a couple of like 12 win seasons and 10 win seasons. And then you go back to being a terrible team again, but the draft did its job. It gave yep. you Stafford and Megatron and a couple of like great seasons. And then it put you back in the dumps again. Cause your, your GM sucked. <laughs> That's, that is the goal. That is the entire goal of, of a draft system is to make sure that that cycle exists. I mean, I agree. I think, personally, I am in the, the realm of the lottery has clearly not worked. I don't think it's ever really worked. All it's done is piss off those that lose and make By one way, fan base adjust so happy. still have moved up one spot in the entire <laughs> history of the lottery. Last year to draft Cade. And everyone's like, y'all better shut up. You got Cade. Uh, you don't deserve any more luck. You got Cade. Guys, if we'd gotten Mobley we'd still be pissed. <laughs> like, if we hadn't moved up, would that make this year better? No. Shut up. Stop. That's yeah. that's such a fake thing. The Magic are on their fourth first round. Or fourth I know. First they, they were literally pick. going through all these Cleveland first round. Cleveland got number how one many number ones in a row? I don't want to hear about how this is fair. Pelicans. Or, or like, any, like, that's utter nonsense. You know it. This is one of the things that pisses me off the most about the draft lottery is everyone knows it's so bullshit that they like they lie their ass off to you to tell you why it's fair or why it shouldn't matter. And this is what I want to get into when it comes to having the fifth pick, which is I don't even think we've mentioned it. That's what the Pistons have this year. They got jumped twice. Mm-hmm. Yep. The fifth pick sucks. All right. Specifically in the context of this draft. Uh, yep. There are four guys the that I'm reasonably scares me more are, than it sucks. What? That's the way I, for me, the fifth pick scares me more than it sucks. I think it just sucks. I, it's a magic box. I don't know who we could be picking here. The first so, three or four picks, I had a general idea of who we'd be going for. I was, I was once we get to five. I was just like, give me top four. That's all I care about is top four. Top three, I'm really happy because I think the top three guys, the the three forwards, fit uh, the Cade partnership really well. Four, mm-hmm. even if it's Ivy, fits okay. If Ivy goes top three, I'm fine. Five sucks, right? Yep. The the, five the number five guy really is, is either Keegan Murray or it's like Blech. AJ Griffin or Shaden Sharp. Yep. And I like Blech. AJ and Sharp, and I don't I dislike Keegan Murray. But here's the problem. I'm going to disagree with you on that because you sounded very against him every time I am we talk against about him. him. I think I think philosophically <laughs> he is so detrimental to your team. That's not because he's a bad player. It's because. The worst thing that can happen is you draft another Sadiq Bay. Okay? And, like, uh, Keegan Murray is not Sadiq, like, like stylistically, but, like, value-wise, right? These are Talent guys ceiling. that, like, we expect their value to be uh, Tobias Harris, Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant, right? Not quite all-stars, right? Keegan Murray being a not-quite-all-star in terms of, like, value for the pick and a career arc for Keegan Murray is actually great. And I don't have any problem if you believe that that's his value. I don't necessarily disagree that that's his value. That is, that's great for him, 
right? The ideal Keegan Murray arc is that he has a pretty good rookie contract, gets like a $22 million second deal, maybe splashes like that almost max deal the way Tobias Harris did, comes back down to earth for a third deal, and like makes $150 million in his career. That's an ideal Keegan Murray arc. You know who that sucks for? The Pistons. Yeah. Right? The, the worst thing you can do is commit to mediocrity long term. Because this is our guy. This is this is Keegan Murray. We drafted him. Uh, he had a really good rookie contract. You know, is a, is a good third fourth option on our team. We're gonna pay him twenty million dollars. We're gonna lock up our cap. We're gonna we're gonna eat all that up. Cade's already making money. Sadiq's already making money. Maybe Stu's making money. Some free agent had better be making money because we opened up all this space for him. You know, all these people are making money. We're paying uh, Keegan Murray twenty two million dollars a year to be our, our third or fourth option. And then you end up in like a Duncan Robinson situation, right? You have this guy who's like really good at something and, or a Tobias Harris situation, right? Yeah. Somebody who's Tobias really good at something. Example. You're trying to win in the playoffs. You've made all these strides as a team. You come in as a seven or eight seed and this guy gets played off the floor because he's a bad matchup, right? And all of a sudden you're like, okay, how do I change my team? Do I get rid of him? Well, he's not worth like, the same problem we have with Jeremy Grant right now, right? Is he worth the Portland 7 pick? Did they get 7? Is that what is that what I remember? 7 or yep. 8? Is Portland going to trade 7 for Jeremy Grant? What What is that player worth? What is Tobias Harris worth as a draft asset right now? I don't expect the Trailblazers. I don't, if they traded number 7, I would be happy just to get rid of, uh, you know, Jeremy Grant. But in a vacuum, I think... Jeremy Grant's probably worth more than that seven pick. Think outside the context of this draft, though, where maybe the seven pick is devalued. If you got the seven pick normally for Jeremy Grant, I think you'd be pretty happy. Yeah. Um, the point is, right, like that is the best case scenario, and you're just basically restocking a chance to draft. Like, the my entire problem here is you're committing to being the team that develops a Keegan Murray. To being the team that takes him into some place where he's actually has consistent NBA value, and that NBA value probably never raises your ceiling. Mm-hmm. That sucks. It just sucks. Because here's the thing: if you draft Sekou Dumbuya again, and it and it just it blows up. Now I have problems with the way they handled Sekou, but regardless, it just completely yep. busts. We get to the you end lost result. A, you lost a year. You lost zero money. You lost minimal amount of resources, right? A single year of player development. Maybe two years of player development. A draft pick. That's all you lost. If you end up with someone like a Keegan Murray, you've probably reconfigured how you've signed free agents and how you've drafted around him. Yada, yada, yada. You've signed him to money. You've committed long-term to his development. You've committed long-term money to him. And you probably haven't actually raised your ceiling to a title contender level. And that's mm-hmm. the entire goal here, is to give yourself the assets to raise yourself to a title contender. Not to raise yourself out of tanking. Getting out of tanking is not the goal. Because getting out of <laughs> tanking is what gets you back in tanking. If yeah. you need any more evidence of that, look at the fucking Pistons for the last decade. <laughs> right? We tried to get out of tanking. We ended right back up into super tanking so that we can get out of tanking again, right? So sure. a lot of people are going to be like, number five should be Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray's a good NBA player. He'll be satisfied with Keegan Murray. He'll produce. I have no no qualms with that as a projection of his production. I have a massive amount of qualms with that as a philosophical proposition. <laughs> what is the... How, how does this get me from where I am now to a title? And a title is the goal. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the answer is you got to have someone making a massive step alongside Cade, whether it's Sadiq, which I don't think is incredibly likely for him to make the step into another number two banana, or whoever we draft here. So with that being said, I'm going to transition us into something that I just thought of, which is we're going to play, we're going to have a draft again. So this draft, I'm going to say this. Chet, Jabari, and Paolo are going to go in some order, one, two, three, perhaps four, in the craziest world. But I'm going to assume that the Magic, Thunder, and Rockets are going to select those three players. The fourth pick is the Kings. Now, 
<laughs> the kings are liable to do anything. So I'm just going to say we're just going to pretend the kings aren't here. <laughs> Let's do a draft. We're going to go and grab three players. Who do we want the Pistons to take? If number five with the top three off the board. I will give you number one. You're still processing this. <laughs> well, so so are you saying like the Kings take Murray off the board? The or? Kings will the Kings will likely take someone we pick here. I don't I don't know what the Kings are gonna so do. So Ivy is number one. Ivy is Ivy is yes. Ivy uh, is the right, projected right. one to go. I'm just so. assuming that Ivy is gone here. Okay, so I've seen some mocks the other way with like Sharp up there or even Murray, so you think you would still let's just forget about the Kings. The Kings are gonna Kings. They're going to take one of the guys we pick. Ivy is still your number one candidate. Yeah, if, if Ivy's on the board, Ivy's the number one pick. For, okay. for fourth pick. Ivy's the number four pick. <laughs> Ivy is the number one of Ivy's the Ivy's the number three, three pick by any sane person. Or Ivy's the number, number four pick four. by any sane person, excuse me. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if the Kings go full Kings and Ivy is still available, that's the first person you want drafted. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to go to the next pick, and <laughs> I I feel like there's two people that I know we both talked about that are probably the right selections here. I'm going to take the one that I know we've talked about and you know I'm in love with, which is A.J. Griffin. So yeah. I I think he the ceiling is so high, the potential that we can get from him, and even the floor I think is still pretty decent as well. Like At worst, he's probably going to be a pretty decent 3 and D guy in the league. But he has that, that ceiling that could potentially put him as like the third best player in this draft or higher like he he does have that high ceiling that you want to get in a player like this in a pick like this right all right you're up Shade sharp okay that was yeah. where i was but hoping you'd go with it th this is this is the thing where i was talking about with with keegan murray in like a bust right i'm taking shade and sharp mm -hmm. because if shade and sharp busts right if in two years we're just like oh my god this dude doesn't have it i lost a tanking season pick but it's a tanking season pick in which i picked fifth because again the way we handle tanking is stupid uh <laughs> and by the way for anyone who like has said like uh how this is just because you got robbed again and no this has been my my stance basically since i started following basketball try again <laughs> Uh, this is less of a lottery special, more of a Jake wants to bitch about the lottery special. <laughs> this, this is this is me. This this is how, how do I put this? This is the same thing as officiating to me, right? The entire point of having a league that that governs something is that mm -hmm. the league's entire purpose is to balance it and create a product. And if the league's purpose, for some fucked up reason, is to create a product in which multiple fan bases are left in like purgatory for years on end for some fake moral outrage reason that league is like following the, the wrong requirements like their goals are wrong and yeah. it's that's just objectively the case it makes for a bad entertainment product it's it's a bad media product it's just not the right way to handle things and again if you're listening to the fans from a, a, a winning team tell you that they don't like tanking because they don't want to see something weird happen on national TV. Fuck them. I'm not on yeah. national TV anyway. You know why? Because my team's been in purgatory for a fucking decade. Yep. Right. Like this, I said, I agree completely with I, getting I, rid I of know lottery. You do, lottery doesn't. But work. just like all <laughs> of the arguments me, that. that I've ever heard to, that are pro that are pro tanking reform are based on sheer fallacy. And right. I'm just, like, today is not the day that I want to hear anything to the contrary because I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of people lying to me because they've, they, they, it, it's, it's like having somebody who's religious preach to me. You don't even follow your own religion. Don't preach it to me. I, I don't want to hear it. You, you haven't attended church in six weeks, mate. And that's only because week seven was Easter. I don't want to hear it. All right? I, I'm just, I'm so tired of it. The minute your team is tanking, you want that tanking to be over with quickly. And you know as well as I do that the draft getting you good players is how that ends. 
Your 26-win team doesn't get free agents. I don't care if you're the Knicks. It doesn't happen. We don't need to pretend anymore. All right, the minute the Knicks didn't get the Kyrie-KD combo, this conversation was over. <laughs> it just it, The minute the Knicks can't get a double free agent whammy when they open up the cap space, this conversation should have died. Adam Silver should have basically gone to an NFL straight tank, uh, straight uh, draft without a lottery. Like, there's just no point anymore. That, that was all the proof you should ever need that this system has broken itself in two. Uh, I mean, the system was originally created, I feel, cynically because David Stern wanted the best teams to get the best players, see Ewing Patrick, and this seemed like a very convenient way for him to do it. And then it got legitimized later on, but I feel like okay, that's still no, the no, original no. reason. You know why the no. system was created? Gambling. Carry on. That's it. Okay. That's the, the, the entire system is created because they don't want teams to intentionally lose to impact gambling lines. The system failed, by the way, just in case you were wondering. The system has completely and utterly failed to, to, to not affect gambling lines. In fact, we've only added more variants to gambling lines that are like bad for the game. Gambling is also just generally bad for the game, just for the record. Uh, it doesn't help anybody. All right, but we've gone far enough. You've done enough back, tanking of this back, game. Back to, back to the question at hand, right? Shaden Sharp. Yes. Why am I drafting Shaden Sharp? That was the question you had. Yep, that was, that was where we started this. The answer is really simple. If I fuck up Shaden Sharp, I'm back where I am today, but at least I have a chance to get back to a title contender, right? Yep. If I succeed, I'm on my way to a title contender. I just got my Devin Booker or whatever you want to you want to compare Shaden Sharp to. Yep. 100%. Nope. That's the I, whole point. That's the whole I, reason we're down here. That's <laughs> the whole reason you want to get out of here. Yep. I agree completely. I Shaden Sharp would have been... He was somewhere between two and three for me. Um, I'm like, still I don't, not even... I don't want to take Shaden Sharp at five. Yeah. It's like, it feels like a ridiculous waste. It feels of after a the chip. season that we had, where we were so bad for the entire time, I don't want to pick someone who I'm like, he didn't play anything in college for the past year. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. I don't really know. It's like, it's not a fun, I agree. It's not a fun pick. It's not something you want to pick. And, like, but, one of the big things is, is Shaden Sharp going to work out for the Pistons? I have no idea, like, how that's all going to work, right? There, there's this huge thing uh, to, to draft scouting, um, you know, that I think I've, I've only reinforced as being more and more and more important uh, and also less and less accessible to me personally is this idea of players as people, players as personalities in a locker room, uh, and players as, um, like, how coachable, right? How they respond to coaching, right? My big miss on Isaiah Stewart was that I didn't have high school tape, so I never saw him outside of zone context where he was very, very bad, right? <laughs> I, I, I always go back to this. I didn't mess up his the evaluation of his college tape. I just didn't see the other tape that would have had the information I needed to know. But also... I wasn't in the room interviewing Isaiah Stewart, hearing how much he like he was willing to put in the work, right? It was all rumors about work ethic, and a lot of guys have rumors about work ethic. Yeah, you hear that every it, single it, day. It's really <laughs> hard to put any stock into it. And I so I look back at that, and I'm like, maybe I need to, you know, I, I know that the biggest gap in my own draft analysis is I don't watch a lot of high school fail. And yeah. I don't know that I can correct it, because I, 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 I don't have time. I don't think, I don't think anyone wants to, uh, like, unless you're just... Uh, there, there are a lot of guys who do it, right? And, and I'm trying to do better about like catching like the FIBA games, right? The under 16 or the under 21s and that kind of thing, and about catching like the Under Armour circuit games and stuff. But like, I don't have time. I know it. Uh, I know that I'm going to miss a couple guys based on that. Yada yada yada. The point is like, Shaden Sharp, right? Not only is that the only evaluation, I don't know how he's going to do in interviews. I don't think anybody knows. Nobody's talked to yeah. this kid in months. His messaging, you know, from a PR standpoint, has been really weird. Uh, I can't remember if it's his uncle that is, like, one of the big voices in his life. His uncle, I think it's his uncle. Some somebody in his personal circle is the guy that was like telling everyone, "Oh, he's going to stay at Kentucky or whatever," and then he left. <laughs> right? Like that person is an influence that I need to get a handle on, and I can't personally do that. Right? It has to come from the team. 
So there's a lot of variance here in someone like Sharp that I'm not going to know. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to do that due diligence, right? If, if it turns out yeah. that, that that's not there and you you pass on Sharp, fine. You should be going for AJ Griffin. You should be going for a Jeremy Sochan. You should be going for somebody who has a ceiling that is not just. Uh, how do I put this? It's not just about a ceiling in terms of like star power, right? Shaden Sharp is is a if Shaden Sharp hits, Shaden Sharp is hitting because he's like Bradley Beal, and and I don't want to like put labels on kids because they're. I, I've said this before, right? Expectations are dangerous, right? You you set yeah. kids up for failure when you give them these expectations. You're 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 not helping them, but like that's what this kid could be. He could also bust. I again, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to 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 hide that or anything, but like you look at the playoffs this year, is Tobias Harris winning you playoff games? No, is Tobias Harris a good NBA player? Sure, yeah, yeah, he's contributing to to help, but like. Is he the reason the Philadelphia lost? No. Is he the reason Philadelphia won any of the games? Probably not. Is he overpaid? Absolutely. Whereas you look at someone like a, a Sochan, right? Is he going to get overpaid? Probably not. Is he going to help you win games? I mean, <laughs> if, if he hits, he's absolutely yeah. going to help you win games. Maybe that's as a seventh man role player. But like, at least I know that that player, if he hits... If I can put the put in the work, that player's archetype fits multiple roles that do help me. Again, even if the 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 point is right, even if he's not the number two banana I need next to Cade, six years down the road when I'm in a in a conference semifinals trying to win, you know, tournament rounds, if this player can be a guy that comes on the floor and I know he can contribute, that's still more valuable to me. And my personal draft philosophy than, like, a Keegan Murray who's like, maybe he gets a lot more points, but maybe he doesn't help me win as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have the same exact thought process on it. So, for my next pick, I'm going to go this in a slight different direction. Oh, we're direction. drafting Pat. I thought this was a whole bit to just get, get to talk about Shaden Sharp. No, we're, we're each, getting, we're each getting three. Oh, God, I didn't. I got to put. Now you're going to make him. I, yeah. <laughs> Mainly because I know these last these last three picks are going to be suffering. (laughs) These last three picks are going to be fun, so I'm going to take probably a bit of a higher floor pick, but just someone who I really like and I think has a potential, and that's Ben Matherin. I liked watching him play at Arizona. I liked him in the tournament. I think he is a pretty damn good player. I don't think he has the ceiling of a Griffin or a Sharp, but he's someone who I like and I think he has the potential to be a damn good player. I'm still I like nervous, ben like you a say, little about bit the more than I like Keegan Murray. Uh, I think again, yeah. not because I think Ben Math is like apples to apples a better player, uh, per se. But like, I think I like what I can, the kind of roles I can put him into, and their those the usefulness of those roles down the line better than Keegan Murray's. So like, I'm I mean, I'm he's... okay with that as a selection. He's really someone who I'd prefer more on, like, my Wizards or, like, the Pelicans or the Spurs, one of those teams, or even the Trailblazers, where I they're looking I, I think Ben Mathis is one of those picks where, like, there's not a team that he doesn't fit on. Yeah, it's, it's also Which true, is fine. But I just want him on a team that's, like, already nearing the playoffs right now, and the Pistons aren't there yet. But I, think, I just like I him think as a player and want to shout Matherin, out. Uh, I think Matherin is further away from contributing than people think. Like, okay. Matherin's defense is not good. Uh, yeah. People will tell you that, like, oh, I like what he did in certain situations. Uh, and they'll, just, like, they'll have, like, on-ball clips. And, like... I feel he, like the energy he, he brings to the defensive side of the floor is acceptable for NBA level. He's not going to blow anyone away, but he has the tools there. If he gets if he ends up at the right it, spot, it, he can So, so this, this is... Uh, I want to write an article about this eventually. This uh, and it's something I just call like learning by osmosis, right? There's this this idea that like you stick in the NBA, and the longer you stick in the NBA, the more you learn about what's required of you to stick in the NBA, right? <laughs> and it's this yeah. idea that like certain guys come in and they are defensive prospects, right? They're, they're legitimate. They know what they're doing. They're like the Scotty Barneses, the Franz Wagners, right? They, these guys understand defense. They understand angles and how to move in space and all this stuff. They're legitimately good defenders who might become great defenders. And mm-hmm. then there are guys like a, a KCP is a good example, right? KCP had all these tools 
and, he, and he's similar to, to Ben Math in this situation, a lot of tools, dumb, right? Just like did yeah. not have a defensive IQ at that level, right? Good on the ball, had no idea what he was doing off the ball. Eventually learned, right? Eventually became a very positive NBA player. I th- he won a title with the Lakers in the bubble, right? He was part of that bubble team. I'm pretty sure he was part of that bubble team. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, Like, eventually won a ring in that case. But it took him, like, six years, right, by that point, of just basically existing in the NBA, consuming reps to become the KCP that was actually productive in a team setting. And he was okay on defense with the Pistons. He was the Pistons' best perimeter defender for probably two of the last two years or so he was here. But that was okay on defense in largely because there was nobody else on that team that was good on defense, right? There was no mm-hmm. other person that was good, so he looked great in comparison. And, like, when you're a contending team, you need the KCPs, the Danny Greens, to be, you know, your fifth, sixth, seventh best players on this team. You know, maybe they start because you, you need somebody in the in the lineup, but they're not, right? That's not the role, uh, so, like, I think Ben Math has four or five years worth of osmosis before he becomes actually worth starting in these important roles. And th- and that's fine. I just, like, I caution that he's not quite the guy I would expect to come in and contribute, you know, like, in a, in a meaningful way to a team that wants to win right now. I don't I don't see that as being his thing. Yeah, that just makes like, it Johnny better Davis, the for Long-term. example is the opposite. Like, I think Johnny Davis comes in, he's a really smart, really savvy defender who plays really well off the ball, too. Um, like, if, if you're looking for the guy that, like, comes in and helps take a team from A to B really quickly, I would much rather have Johnny Davis. That's not what I'm looking for, though. <laughs> I know. All right. I just wanted to caution. Go on your next pick. Let's, yeah. let's, let's skip and say Jalen Duran. That's where I was curious if you were going to go. I, there's someone so, else where so I thought you were going to go. I've mentioned Sochan. I really That's like Sochan. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big Sochan guy just because I think the tools are good. But, like, Dern is a, is a guy. Um, and, like, at this at this point, right, we're, what, five picks into your yep. weird five middle of the, the draft, mock draft. Uh, at this point, like, Murray being your ninth or tenth guy on your big board is not a crime. And it's not, a, again, it's not a crime that he's five either it's just like philosophically this i think this hurts your team long term unless he really pops but mm-hmm. Duran is just a guy where again could be a little busty right there could be there could be a chance where he pops out uh that sounded <laughs> there, there <was laughs> also some... true but <laughs> it definitely it both took us a second to be like wait a minute here <laughs> point that's Whatever. a phrase that means something else uh phrasing uh we're still doing that uh jalen Duran. <laughs> The, the point is, like, at this point, I know I can get a bit of a gamble who contributes probably as well as uh, Marvin Bagley. Took me a second. Uh, yep. Who contributes, like, probably as well as Marvin Bagley does. Uh, he's not as good, like, touch offensively, but, he, like, he's a better role threat overall, I think, in the long term. I'm, I'm gambling on somebody who, like, replacement level impact is probably fine. I don't know, like, I don't see the Bam Adebayo, like, defensive instincts long-term in terms of, like, switchable defender, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but, like, yeah, I, w- I would be fine gambling on Duran. Again, this is, like, the relative 10th pick, 11th pick in the draft yeah. uh, on your big you're board. If you're 4 plus 5, we're at, like, what, 9? <laughs> so, Switch like, which math involved in this game. <laughs> the, well, you, you invented this on the fly for Drunk Jake. This is your fault. Uh... <laughs> So, it's working so as intended, rel- for the record. relative to the position, Duran makes some sense to me, but like he's a whole tier below AJ Griffin, Shaden Sharp on my board, you know, in 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 terms of philosophy and concept to me. See, Jalen Duran, when I was you know going through this concept in my head as we were continuing on, Duran was someone who I probably would have picked fourth if it had been Matherin, but I literally just wanted to see if you would take him at five. So I knew you weren't going to pick Ben Math. I was curious if I could get him at six. I I don't know I that I wouldn't have taken Ben Math. I feel would you have taken him over Jalen Duran? They're, they're like right in the same spot for me. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not I'm not 
one of the one of the big things for me like this year is what like I we, neither of us know like what does Troy Weaver want free agent wise right like we've talked a lot about DeAndre Aiden mm-hmm. Troy Weaver should already know by now if that's like even remotely in the cards right yeah. like is it even worth tendering an offer the first two days of free agency or do we not bother he should know that pretty much right now and yes that's tampering and no i don't care because again i don't care that's how the nba works N- yeah neither it's does better the NBA. for the nba that everyone knows this nobody actually wants the version of the nba where gms don't talk to the players just just again putting that out there disabusing people of of their fake morals you don't actually want what that entails stop it um tampering is good uh so like you should know and if you know that kind of situation right whether it's jalen brunson whether it's duran whether it's i don't know who else is in the free agent market now you should honestly have a good idea like a a first impression for the next summer (laughs) i mean i'm i'm sure it's on the board you should be glad handing these agents in random meetings about whoever and just be like, Hey, so what about, you know, what's Bradley Beal's opinion of things, whatever, like you, you should already be building this framework of like, we want to know what's going on. And that's going to affect a lot of your decisions between someone like Ben Math and Durant, right? That's a, there's a, a, a draft philosophy conversation to be had a little bit between the two, but like you, there is absolutely and I think it's an undervalued thing. It's a thing I undervalued for years draft-wise. There is a value to knowing your development staff and what they think they can fix and how they think they can handle a player. There's And there's a value to knowing your coach, your system, and like fit is absolutely something you need to consider when you're drafting. Uh, and people will say, best player available, best player available. Uh, the player's only going to look like the best player available if you have the right fit for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah. To get back to Duran, the reason I like him is because kind of, well, almost exactly what you said. Um, all these intangibles he brings, the high, you know, ceiling that he has. And also, it also allows us to make uh, Marvin Bagley's contract extension a lot more expendable. Because he takes that role and then some, I believe, in terms of potential. So, the last pick, I feel like the easy pick to go here would be Keegan Murray, but... It's not what my heart says. My heart says Jeremy Sosan. Because I don't know what he could be. I feel like he could be like Ron Artest 2.0 in a variety of different ways. But this this pick is going to be a mystery box. And I feel like Sosan is a phenomenal mystery box. It could even be a boat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, I, Murray isn't the wrong pick. I'm just... I, I the, the, the most terrifying timeline to me for this team is that they are so worried about what they about about Cade's timeline that they forget that they actually need a way to move forward and they just lock themselves into the first you know escape route even if that escape route means that five years from now you know Cade is asking to be traded and we're we're finished with this mm-hmm. uh, that that terrifies me yep. I am totally okay now that we've landed pick number five, totally okay putting this up for trade for something in 2023 and seeing if I can get the pick for this year to come from a Jeremy Grant trade. Intriguing. If I if you tell me that, that Portland is willing to give me seven for Jeremy Grant, maybe with a, another asset swap somewhere in there, and then I can give five to somebody and they'll give me you know, a top six, seven projected 2023 pick with like top two projection protections on it. I'm, I would be very interested in that because next year's draft is full of, uh, of shade and sharp gambles mm-hmm. and you can take your pick of them and they'll be there at six or seven. Uh, and I, I'm much more interested in that than I am shade and sharp right now. And I still think he's like the number one, like projected guy at five. That's the person that I probably most expect the Pistons to get at five. Would be my guess. Keegan Murray scares me more than the, anything else. The but noise from guys like like James Edwards, who are 
trying to basically report the noise from the front office that is really heavily Keegan Murray favored just concerns me. Uh, Keegan Murray is actually sneakily like a guy that Troy Weaver really would buy into. Uh, and like everything about that is a flag. It's yep. a huge, huge red flag. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. Troy Weaver has drafted okay, uh, pretty well. But like his asset valuation as GM has been extremely concerning. And uh, like he very, very clearly like goes for his guys regardless of what the value in the market is. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, yes, it is absolutely a flag that they could be spending the fifth pick on a guy who could be the ninth pick. Like that, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, concerning. That scares me more than anything concerning, else. Concerning, concerning. All right. Anything else you got to say before we get off? By the way, I feel like I should say my next pick would have been Keegan Murray. Like, he's not, like, at the bottom of my board. But <laughs> in that exercise, he was seven for me. Again, it's not that Keegan Murray is a bad player. We've been shitting on him this It's not that he's time. bad. It's not that he's... <laughs> It's just uh, not the right team. It's not even that he's not It's worth not it. you. It's, just that it's me. Okay? It's very much us. I am very hoping that the Kings are like Keegan Murray is the mm. guy that gets us over the top. And by the way, there's a sneaky part of me that thinks that that's actually not the worst fit. <laughs> like, it's the, possible. There's very much a part of me that's like, hey, he fills the Harrison Barnes role. You know, he clicks a lot. Like, again, don't expect him to, like, take them to the conference finals. Because he won't. Speak it into existence. But their goal, the King's goal, has never been that because they're the Kings. So, Kings gonna Kings. My goal is titles. Yep. And it right. always has been. Anything else before we get out of here? This is longer than I expected it to take. No. No. At some point in time, we'll do a big board of things before the yep. draft. But, uh, yeah, this has definitely sucked a lot of the vibes out of the draft cycle for me. It was already a draft cycle that, like, I have not given nearly as much energy as I as I have in the past because in the past uh, I've known we were going to pick 7, 10, 12, and it's been, like, trying to find the ideal guy here. And, like, this time it's just, like, this is the worst outcome. Like, I don't – this was honestly no different to me than 7. <laughs> but it, it could have been yeah. six, seven, five, six, seven, and I, all I was going to do was be worried that we were going to draft the mediocre guy instead of the gamble. Yep, so. five is where it really dropped off. I think. Yeah, because you, you don't know what you're going to get. So. Nope. All right, we will talk to you guys next time. See y'all later. Bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.